Welcome to CoreCentric Conversations, the podcast dedicated to sharing stories of procurement and finance transformation. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the second episode in this podcast series. Now, in our first episode, we discussed the importance of procurement and finance working together on transformation projects, mostly to make sure that any of the goals set for procurement keep them fully in alignment with the larger company strategy. Now, today, I'm going to be joined again by my guests, Joe Payne and Jennifer Ulrich, and we're going to discuss why the next step after that collaboration has been outlined should be to establish a baseline on procurement. Now, this part of the process is particularly critical because before we can attempt to optimize the value created by procurement, we actually need to understand how we're doing today so that we can identify that differential. So first of all, Jennifer and Joe, thank you both so much for being with me today. Thank you, Kelly. It's good to be here. Thanks, Kelly. Jen, I'm actually going to start with you because this is something I know you're particularly passionate about. I know you've shared about it on LinkedIn, is this idea of the pillars of transformation. If people haven't come across your content on this topic, can you talk about the concept a little bit and discuss how these pillars actually factor into the current state evaluation process for procurement? Sure, sure. So um, the pillars of procurement as I've defined them are your people process, tools and technology, your metrics and reporting, and then the role of the function. Now, what I often say about this is that uh, when you look up any kind of procurement transformation, finance transformation online, you're going to find those sort of staple components, which are the people, process, tools, and technology. And what we've done here at CoreCentric is layer in those other components. Um, and mainly because while, while metrics and reporting, for example, might be folded into some of those other pieces, we find it to be really important to actually separate out. And here's why. Really, when it comes down to it, um, you know, you can have the best talent in the industry as it relates to your procurement or your, you know, your people and your organization, right? You can have the most streamlined processes, the best of technology. But ultimately, uh, when it comes to the role of the function or role of procurement, all of those things really um, kind of fall to the wayside if people mm-hmm. don't understand how to leverage procurement. So un- really don't understand the value of procurement or finance, depending on what you're working in here. Um, and that really goes a couple different ways. So it's not just how the end users or stakeholders view procurement as an asset in the process, but also how the suppliers view procurement and how uh, you know executive leadership views procurement as well. Then ultimately, when all of those things are you know really working well together and, and you have everything in the right place, you want to be able to demonstrate that value through strong metrics and reporting. So that's kind of sits at the foundation of all of this. And while uh, it, it is often funny when I talk about the pillars of procurement, you're sort of envisioning literally pillars, right? But uh, I've actually designed it as a pyramid because the role of procurement should sit at the top with those core components in the middle and that metrics and reporting being that really solid foundation at the bottom to build up from. Now, um, when we think about how we use this in the current state evaluation process, really it's just structured to evaluate everything within the organization and it gives you that full view of all the right aspects to consider when you're evaluating uh, for a transformation. So, you know, if you take it from the procurement side of thing, 
we look at process uh, as how they design, source, buy, contract, and actually manage the spend in the organization versus how AP would actually collect, uh, match, approve, pay, and handle exceptions for invoices. So, you know, each, each of those pillars can really be applied depending on what you're looking at. Same thing um, as it relates to metrics and reporting, as we talked about kind of the first time around in the first podcast, where procurement tends to be focused more on spend management, their metrics and reporting are going to be more in that vein. And AP and finance, uh, they're more focused on visibility, controls, those sort of things. So they're going to be really more, more aligned with electronic invoices, how they're eliminating paper, things like that, um, straight through processing, et cetera. So that's really why it's so important to um, have these specific components and then be able to break them down for each type of function that you're evaluating. Well, and here's the interesting thing to me about that. So you talk through all of the different, there's, you know, procurement's point of view and finance's point of view, and then there's the role that AP plays in there. And clearly it's important to have an accurate baseline, but accurate and representative and meaningful are not necessarily always the same thing. And it's not maybe a straightforward thing. Now, does it change how a baseline should be established for procurement transformation if procurement reports into finance versus if they're just sort of driving a procurement transformation within procurement on their own? How do some of those nuances change the way we have to approach that baseline setting? I, I actually don't think uh, the way you approach it really changes drastically, uh, depending on the focus. You know, most organizations tend to approach it in a very similar way. Um, and this is what we've seen over time that you're, you know, most organizations are going to go out and they're going to evaluate the different perspectives of the parties that are involved. They're going to go and aggregate all of those pain points and then start to balance those challenges with any kind of organizational objectives that, that really start to prioritize needs over wants. Um, what we find is that objectivity is very critical in this process. So more often than not, you know, if you have the team that's going through the transformation, leading that evaluation, it's going to have inherent flaws, right? So if procurement is talking to everybody about the pain points in procurement, are they really going to be all that honest, right? Um, <laughs> when you're specifically, that's tough. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, so I, I think that's part of it. But I would also say um, the different functions are going to experience different challenges, um, depending on what the focus of the transformation is, where um, most often it's, it's going to be resource constraints, right? So if internally, if you're leading that transformation, procurement, you know, we're, we're trying to keep the lights on and there's a lot of different things that are going to um, create some challenges from a, a resource and time constraint. And then if anytime you're working with AP, right, we have the closed process, things like that, that are going to impact staffing and that sort of thing. So either way, um, I think the way you approach it is pretty similar, but the most important piece is going to be having that really solid framework to base the assessment on. And that's, again, why we, we look at not only the pillars of procurement when we're creating that current state evaluation, but also having a robust scoring methodology. So you can't just go in and, and um, have three or four people looking at process and expect to get an objective review without some sort of basis for how you're evaluating the different components and really using a scorecard just like we would do in any other type of event in procurement, right? So we joked a little bit, but I do think this point about objectivity is really important, right? Because you know, we all have this interesting relationship with change, even when we truly do want change. 
sometimes actually making it happen can be a little bit harder operationally than it is conceptually. And so when it comes to making sure that there's objective point of view incorporated into the baseline, is that an area where you feel like it's important to maybe bring in an actually truly objective third party to share some perspective? Or does it depend on the culture of your company, how truly honest and, and introspective you're able to be when establishing that baseline? Sure. And I think the culture of the organization is going to play in no matter what. Um, and I wouldn't say that you couldn't complete your own assessment um, internally, but either way, you should bring in some sort of third party, even if it's within your own organization. For example, if you have a project management organization, um, someone that can play that outside role coming in to evaluate things and give get that level of objectivity and candor into the conversation. Um, but there's a lot of benefits to uh, leveraging a third party outside of the organization beyond objectivity. So, you know, as we mentioned before, that oftentimes one of the biggest challenges um, when running a, a transformation internally is resource constraints. You know, that's, I, I've seen it happen time and time again, where uh, internally they've tried to start a transformation and failed because they didn't have uh, one element or another, not the right support or resources, but more often than not, it's, it's resources get distracted by other things. So bringing a third party when you're hiring somebody specifically to do that thing, it's going to happen with the right resources. You're going to meet your timelines um, more quickly. Not only that, but they're going to also have the tools to make the process more efficient and likely going to have more subject matter expertise than you might find internally to really give yourself a, a thorough evaluation. Well, and the reality of it is, you know, we're establishing this baseline, not because there's inherent value in baselining, but because you need to understand the difference between where you're starting and where you're headed. And so, Joe, I want to pull you into the conversation to ask you a little bit about outcomes. You know, we've talked about all of the different functional perspectives or even positions on procurement transformation. And when you think of all of those different interested groups and interested parties, is there a way that we can have target outcomes that are specific enough early on in the process to actually align everyone despite the fact that different functions are naturally going to have different points of view? What, what would your point of view be on that? Yeah, I would say now is absolutely the time to talk about those uh, issues and those perspectives of different functions. You know, we often find when we go into a procurement transformation, that there are uh, misconceptions or or disconnects around what each function does and the roles and responsibilities therein, um, and that can lead to um, you know frustration, honestly. So some of the things I, I suggest uh, companies look for: one is where are the current bottlenecks. So in other words, where does a process break down or slow down today? Uh, an example of this would be, you know, if you're receiving invoices from suppliers that aren't already in a system. So technology is not going to fix that problem on its own, right? There's a, there's a process problem there. There may be a roles and responsibilities issue there. Who does what? And so those are the types of things you want to look for. Where are the bottlenecks? Where do things slow? And whose responsibility is it? Another is where are there areas of overlap? I can tell you there's there's oftentimes where you know you've got AP, you've got procurement, you've got other stakeholders all talking to the same suppliers about the same things. 
It could be a payment terms. It could be a receipt issue. It could be a quality issue. And so, you know, whose job is it to have that conversation? Where, where is their overlap and how do you take some of that overlap or inefficiency out? And then, you know, the third thing I, I say is think about reversing the flow when you're, when you're coming in and thinking about, you know, each function, what they should be doing, what the outcomes are, reverse the flow and, and look at it from the supplier's perspective and in the eyes of the suppliers that you're working with. How are you seen as a customer from the supplier's point of view? What redundancies are there? What areas of disconnect or opportunities for improvement are there? A good example I would give of this is, you know, when you have a procurement part, department doing an RFP and then you have a risk department responsible for doing some sort of risk assessment. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen procurement runs their RFP, qualifies a supplier, awards a supplier, and then it goes to risk and risk is doing a risk assessment that includes some of the same exact elements that were included in the RFP. And so from a supplier's perspective, there's a lot of frustration there. Hey, I've already done this. Why am I doing it again? And so connecting those dots where there's miscommunication or not an alignment of communication is really important. And looking at it from the supplier's eyes, I find really gives you a, well, it can be eye-opening, quite honestly, and, and gives you a perspective that you haven't considered before. And then lastly, I would really say that at this stage, it's important to think about quantitative metrics that go beyond savings. So, you know, Jennifer talked a lot about establishing a baseline and that's really important. But if, if you're in procurement, now is a great time to start talking about the things that procurement can help do beyond savings. So think about benchmarking, defining, and looking for ways to improve uh, days payable outstanding, right? Which helps create cash flow efficiencies or procure to pay straight through processing time or cost of payment. You know, these are metrics that can improve supplier relationships, improve stakeholder relationships, improve the company's bottom line while increasing internal efficiencies. And so it's a great time to bring those things up because when you have a perception that procurement only cares about savings, you can change that or update that thought process here and, and early on in the process. Well, and it's interesting to bring that up here because what you're talking about is actually a two-step challenge, right? Mm -hmm. You have to decide on those metrics, but then you also want to have some sense of whether it's on baseline or whether it's based on goals and vision, how am I doing, right? I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times, you know, you go into a doctor's office and they take your blood pressure and they give you some numbers. I always just turn to the person and say, am I going to make it? And <laughs> that's my thought, no matter what the numbers are, I think that could very easily happen to companies that have goals and targets set, but haven't necessarily tied those to anything, right? Are there sources of information that people can consult if they're looking to actually tether their benchmarks to something that's that's relevant? Absolutely. And, you know, there's a variety of public and proprietary data sets out there that will help you identify your goals or really what you want your end state to be. I often tell our customers, you know, think about your company and think about your top competitors. You can get access to external data sources that can give you insight into what your top competitors' days payable outstanding is. 
You know, and this is that's an incredibly useful metric because they're likely buying from the same suppliers or in similar markets and categories as as you are. Um, you know, what is the average DPO for your industry? That's a that's a publicly available data. Uh, what's the average day sales outstanding for your supplier's industry? That type of information from external sources can help you set informed targets around you know, things like payment terms and set up a path for success and also have you know, a target to go after. Um, and it's very similar to what you just mentioned. You know, I just went in for my physical yesterday and I had a blood work done and there's a list of you know, what my results are and there's a list of what I would call the industry averages, yeah. right? And that helps me know, am I in shape or not? <laughs> Well, and fortunately, it does seem like you're going to make it, Joe. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take see. that as a, a piece <laughs> of good news. Um, now, if I can ask you, and, and staying with you, Joe, for sort of the last question as we pull this all together, we talked about the importance of benchmarking. We talked about the importance of having goals and objectives that are tied to reasonable benchmarks so that we you know, keep all the efforts online. But at the end of the day, it's really about having a successful transformation, which is the whole intent to begin with. Can you just tie this all together for us around how appropriately objectively benchmarking and having the right metrics with reasonable benchmarks ultimately is what leads to successful transformation? Yeah, you know, the, the reality is transformations fail when there's not a clear definition of, of what the anticipated outcomes are as well as the measurement and reporting intended to validate success or identify areas of improvement. And that sounds like a, such a basic concept, but it, I, I see it missed over and over again when going through a procurement transformation that companies don't set a clear defined benchmark, a baseline and a benchmark. And then they also don't set it up so that they have an easy way to report out on results against those benchmarks on a go forward basis. And so what happens when that when that occurs is there's a there, there's misconceptions that arise. Um, you know, think think about if if a major goal is around straight through processing time, leveraging volume, uh, make creating efficiencies around the number of suppliers you have and supplier rationalization. I can tell you almost in every instance you're going to have a stakeholder out in the buyer community Come, come back to you someday and say, hey, I found this pencil for five cents cheaper. Procurement's <laughs> not doing their job. And you can, you can argue that till you're blue in the face, or if you already have alignment on your metrics and your goals and what you're being measured against, and you can show, sure, that costs five cents more, but you're also saving $3 in invoice and processing time because you're not responsible for going out and looking for a supplier and all the other things that occur on the back end tied to compliance and reporting. And having that information at your fingertips, repeating it with your stakeholders and with senior leadership over and over again is critical to the success because at the end of the day, procurement is a very uh, personal subject for people, even in a corporate setting. You're always going to receive challenges and you're, it's good to have that data to go back to and say, look, we're doing well here against our goals and, and, and against our industry's goals. And this is our definition of success, and we're, we're hitting this definition. And I actually think that's a, a great 
point, both to have reached in this conversation and also to start kind of winding the conversation down. Because I think you're right, Joe, procurement is personal. You know, as much as everybody says, oh, yeah, it's about the, you know, saving the pennies and making us follow the rules and all of that. It is more than that. And, and that really does tie together, you know, where we are today, where are we heading? Is this change effort ultimately going to be successful? Uh, so thank you, Joe and Jennifer, both for joining me today to share your point of view on this. Thanks for joining this CoreCentric Conversation, the podcast dedicated to sharing stories of procurement and finance transformation. We hope you found our discussion useful. With each episode, it's our goal to give you insight on how to lead change your organization. Get started by visiting us at corecentric.com. That's C-O-R-C-E-N-T-R-I-C dot com.